Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Jan Vertonghen with a thumping ball. And he wakes right at the last. Lamella! Steering by Alderweireld. And he saved it. Hugo Lloris. Vertonghen captain delivers when his team really needed it. Eriksen dipping brilliant. That is absolutely stunning from Christian Eriksen. Gabriele to finish Arsenal off. No song. Welcome to the last word on Spurs, where we return over this festive break as we look back on that 2-2 draw against Norwich City at Carrow Road, where Tottenham Hotspur failed to beat the bottom side of the Premier League, partly contributing to some awful comedic defending. We also look ahead to Southampton to come as Spurs look to return back to winning ways. Enjoy the show. Christian 
paper like. Delighted to have back with me on this last word on Spurs, both Jamie from the Daily Hotspur and John from the Lily White Rose. Jamie, starting with you. Sorry to bring you back for this one, Jay. Will you accept my apologies? <laughs> no, my, no, it's always my pleasure to come on. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, could be in better circumstances. Uh, very disappointing result at Norwich, but I think um, we can all agree we were certainly cheered up by the Arsenal result today. I'm delighted to also have this man back alongside us tonight, and that is John from Lily White Rose. It's been a disappointing period, let's not lie. You know, I still look at that Chelsea game as, as really key, and we've sort of bottled two chances to go fourth at the moment. Um, and yesterday was horrific, and we're going to come on to that horror show in the next hour. Jamie, I'm going to start with you. Despite Spurs coming from behind twice, you know, for me, it's nowhere near good enough for a Spurs side to draw to a bottom of the table, Norwich City. I mean, that is alongside what we saw, some absolute comical defending from Spurs, littered with these continuous individual errors within this group of players. You know, we should be winning these kind of games. And the amount of goals we give away through brainless, silly, alarming mistakes is just really concerning. An absolute horror show that defensively left us chasing that game. What did you make, Jay, of that game up at Carrow Road? Obviously, really disappointing. Um, and, and again, it was just down to individual errors. Um, I think the defending for the first goal was absolutely shocking the way uh, we backed off and then weren't, weren't able to close uh, the goal scorer down. Um, and then, of course, that second goal was just embarrassing from Aurier. Um, but yeah, look, we know Look, there was a change during the season in manager because there are real issues in this squad. Um, for me, I don't want to get on Jose Mourinho's back too much because he has come in and, and turned our fortunes around. And I think it's very difficult to expect for him to kind of start um, bringing uh, good football, to, the t uh, good football um, to Spurs and regular consistent results because we know there are real clear issues at Spurs um, and yesterday was was very disappointing of course they were rock bottom um, I thought it was kind of a game of two halves really I think in the first half we were really poor it was one of our worst uh, first half performances of the season I mean how many times have I had to say that this season um, and the second half I thought we we looked a lot better um, we kind of stopped trying to uh, we, we kind of looked to try and play a bit more and I did think we were better we just didn't quite have enough luck and unfortunately, we had Serge Aurier uh, in defence. So, yeah, it was obviously a very, very... Just Serge Aurier, Jay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's enough to say on that subject. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was a really poor performance from him again. And, um, you know, I know Jose Mourinho's... There were reports that Jose Mourinho's kind of spoken to Serge Aurier and said that, you know, I'll make you a very good fullback, but 
Um, I, I'm hoping that he's kind of backtracking on that idea now. I mean, I think even Houdini would struggle with Serge. I, I, I really do. It, it's a difficult one with Serge Aurier. But I mean, let's take a flavour of some of your listener questions that you sent into us. More statements from some of you. Brock at Stunning Spurs says, deserve negative points for that performance. All due respect to Norwich, but they're a championship side at best. I'd rather watch terrible defensive football if it meant that we'd stop leaking goals. I've said this for months, but I wouldn't care if we sold our whole defence. Why are we standing off a team that had 12 points at the start of the game, giving them confidence? Question mark. Happy Clapper says, another poor result. More changes will come. Jose just the beginning. He and Levy will be forced into making more changes or the results will continue to be mixed. Despite having great players, we just simply aren't a great football team right now. Tough to watch. John, I want to ask you, since Mourinho has taken over... We haven't yet fully dominated and won a game comfortably, you'd say, bar Burnley. But having said that, it's unfair, I think, to judge him. Give him a summer and a full prison to sort things out. Because for me at the moment, it doesn't really matter who's in charge, really, with that team. We'll always have the same problems. Sure, listen, I think we're going to win games, but we cannot push forward without a big, long overhaul of this squad. Do you agree? Yeah, I do agree with that. I actually think a bit, a bit sooner than that. I think the January window can provide us some respite in regards to that. I feel like even if we didn't sign anyone in January, I think we do need to. But even if we didn't, and in fact, we just offloaded some players, I think the atmosphere in the group would greatly improve. I'm looking at the likes of Danny Rose, Victor Wanyama, uh, and a couple of others to be moved on urgently in January. I know, I know Danny Rose has come out and said he wants to run a contract down. If that's the case, We'll offer him out. If no one takes him, we'll pay up his contract and he can leave. Because I think Mourinho has made his decision on Rose already. I know he came on as a sub against Chelsea, but we've not seen him start a game for a long period of time now, aside from Bayern Munich. Um, so I think we need to offload some of these sort of negative app- apples in the squad, and that would improve squad harmony moving forward. Um, but just, just on yesterday, you know, I feel like it will take time for Mourinho to bed in his way. And as you said, Ricky, I think we completely need to give him a season, season and a half to uh, to get the players he wants and get us playing in the style he, he wants us to. Because when he came in, we were, I believe it was 12 or 14 points off the top four. We've now had two opportunities in the past three weeks to get back fourth. We haven't taken them, unfortunately. Uh, that was open to that horrific performance against Chelsea at home. And then yesterday's extremely disappointing result against the Norwich side that were rooted bottom of the table. I mean, for me, a Tottenham Hotspur team, including such attacking talents like Christian Eriksen, Deli Ali, Tangai Undombele, Harry Kane, Giovanni Lachelso, not to go and win at Norwich. And not even to create very much. I mean, first half was one of the worst halves I've seen from Tottenham in a long, long time. That's up there with sort of the Brighton away this season. Um, in terms of just no end product, not creating anything, no pressure. Um, it was really disappointing yesterday and it sort of took us back to the, the dark days. But we do need to give Mourinho time. Let's hope we can make some positive um, you know, movements in the squad in January and then look for a strong finish to the season. I, I tweeted out earlier that the games we've actually got left this season away from home, apart from Chelsea away, they're pretty winnable games. But I mean, the form, you know, yesterday was a winnable game, which are 20th and we didn't win. So there are deep questions that have to be answered with this squad. And I just really can't wait for this January window to open in a couple of days' time. Hopefully we can make some major surgery on the squad. Yeah, listen, I, t- I totally agree with you, John. It, it does need major surgery. And even when we had Pochettino here, we spoke about a rebuild. I still think very much we do need to continue with that rebuild. It's far from you know being a squad that he wants to have. I think, as we know, there's several players in there that are just simply no good enough to take Spurs forward. And, you know, Jay... When we look at that starting eleven, we saw a return for Ndombele. A first league starts for Foyth, Lachelso and Eriksen under Jose Mourinho. Sessegnon kept his place. And you would feel, Jay, when you saw that team, that was a big opportunity for the likes of Lachelso and Ndombele to both take a claim for that central midfield role, which has been, let's be honest, a conspicuous problem area for Jose Mourinho. When you saw that team, 
and the manner of how we started. I'll, I'll ask you the question here. This has been sent in by Habib. He says, can Spurs ask just to play the second half of Premier League games or at least play the second half alone? Because why do we start games with misplaced arrogance? Can you put your fingers to why, Jake? It's very difficult to kind of identify why um, we have started games so slowly. Um, yeah, and it was really disappointing to see a lot of these players not really take their opportunities. Um, I think one player who certainly did take their opportunity and I thought was fantastic and really our only shining light yesterday was Tongi and Dombele. I mean, um, again, proven why we paid £60 million for him. And it was I thought it was a really good performance from him. Um, but there was plenty of plenty of people in that, in that team that just didn't really seem to take their opportunity. I was very disappointed. I was certainly disappointed with Ryan Sessiong's performance. Um, Giovanni Lichelso as well was was a bit disappointing. But look, these are players that I I think need time. Um, they de- well, they definitely need time because uh, to just to, just to play more games and then they'll become better. But yeah, it was frustrating to see you know a number of these players fail to kind of um, produce yesterday because it was a, I think it was a very good opportunity for them to come into the team and to start regularly. I think John, the biggest issue at the moment is that Mourinho has said that you know. In terms of trying to find his best team, he's finding that very, very hard due to the way our backline is performing. And to be fair to Rina, since he's come in, you would say he's tried to keep a pretty much settled team to some degree. We've seen predominantly the most, you know, seven or eight players that have been featuring week in, week out, even over this festive break. So when you saw that team come out, was that roughly what you was expecting to see? No, I was surprised and absolutely delighted. I, I tweeted J- Jamie actually a couple of days before we had some interactions on Twitter. Uh, discussing that we'd like to see the likes of Ryan Sessegnon continue after his start against Brighton, Giovanni Lo Celso after his hugely impressive 35-minute cameo against Brighton, both start the game and also the first start in a while for Tanguy and Dombele. Um, you know, so I was actually delighted when I saw the lineup. Obviously, he's got the back five that he seems to quite trust, apart from Foyth coming in for Sanchez yesterday. So we've seen under Mourinho, uh, Alderweireld, Gazaniga, Vertonghen, Aurier sort of make up the staple of the defensive unit of the side. Normally with Davidson Sanchez, he was obviously rested yesterday, not wishing to play two games in four days or whatever. Um, so I was actually delighted when I saw the side. I was just disappointed with the sort of ineffective performance I saw um, from a side that contains so many creative players. Even Tristan Eriksen got a start. You know, to have Eriksen, Ali and the Chelsea all in a side, they're all effectively or can be number 10s, uh, real creative players. We just didn't create anything. So I was really... Uh, Surprised, actually, that some of those players didn't stake their claim, um, you know, to cement themselves moving forward in the team. I think Mourinho has made clear already, and he's made reference to this, that he sees Kane as his number nine and Deli Ali as his number 10. So they're always going to start every game. And I'm perfectly happy with that. They're two world-class players, in my opinion. Um, so it was a shame that some of those other players that came into the lineup really didn't step up and, and stake a claim. I'm not going to put any blame whatsoever on Ryan Sessegnon. I think he's 19 years old. It was his first back-to-back start of games and even filled in quite well at left-back in the second half. So I'd like to see him just continue in the lineup, Even if he has a poor performance, let him keep playing and playing and playing, get confidence up, build him into form. Because Ryan Sessegnon is an excellent young prospect and I think he just needs more games to get up to the level we want to see. I was hugely impressed with Tangi and Dombele. I'm really pleased that some of the uh, negative criticism he's unfairly received, in my opinion, Ricky, because I remember earlier on in the season... He'd made about eight appearances and he'd scored two goals, including on his debut, and had two assists. It was actually quite an impressive start for a midfielder. Yet people were getting on his back about his fitness and this, that and the other. There has been some fitness issues, let's not lie. But he came in yesterday, played 97 minutes, which is hugely impressive for someone that hasn't played much in, in recent weeks. Um, and was the best player on the pitch, hands down. Um, so, you know, and now people are going to say if he doesn't start at Southampton, oh, his fitness is up again. Well, no, he just played 97 minutes. I think it's unlikely that he'll start at Southampton. 
But would I like him to? Yes, because I think we've got an absolute world-class player there. He ran the show when he got going in the second half. And if we'd had another five, ten minutes, we may have ended up winning that game. Uh, they looked scared when Lucas came on as well. Um, so, so, yeah, it was disappointing not to pick up the, the win yesterday because Norwich are rooted at the bottom and we could have briefly gone fourth, which would have been great for our confidence and that would have put pressure on Chelsea ahead of their visit to the Emirates today. We couldn't do that, unfortunately. How many more opportunities are we going to have to present ourselves uh, with that chance of going fourth? I'm not sure. Like you said there, John, that's the most concerning thing, that to get into that top four, we never seem to take it. And especially with Chelsea, as we say, beating Arsenal today, that gap's been extended slightly. And, I mean, let's get into it. You know, we don't really want to discuss the defence, but unfortunately we're going to have to because it was just so horrific, our defending. You know, it was comedic, as I've put at times. And we'll discuss that opening goal because Varancic runs straight through the Spurs defence and drove it into the back of the net to give Norwich an early lead. I mean, it was purely, simply awful defending from Spurs. Just to kind of break it down, one for if lost the ball outside the box, and then Varancic had a clean run through, Adebayo not even coming close to even try and close him down. I mean, Jay, in that position, defensively, why do you think Spurs didn't do more? Because we just need to back off and back off and back off and allow Varancic to completely run at us. Look, I think it was kind of similar to the way we conceded against Wolves in, in when we did just back off. Um, there was a lot of very disappointing performances from yesterday, especially in the back line. Um, I think Toby and Jan are two players that do really frustrate me. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're two very experienced professionals and they're kind of defending like that. And it, it does annoy me. Um, on their day, they're both outstanding defenders. We know that. But to, to defend like that, and, and it's been, you know, they're seemingly having more poor moments in them than they are having good at the moment. And that is really frustrating from two really class defenders. Um, I think another one in that back line that did really disappoint me, his performance, was Juan Foy. Um, he's a guy that I'm a big fan of and there's a lot to like about his game, certainly in terms of the way that, you know, he's, he's very agile, he's great on the ball. But it's just, I think a lot of people's frustration is, when's this guy going to become good? Because, you know, he's 21, 22 and he's kind of looked like the same sort of player he's, he's always been at Spurs um, since he arrived because he's still got all those errors in him. Um, he was poor for the it was I think it was caught out for the first goal when it was just a generally very disappointing performance from one point and that was that was disappointing. But I think one player I'd certainly like to kind of give a shout out to was Davidson Sanchez. I thought that when he came on in the second half, Spurs looked a lot better. And I think he you know he does divide opinion a bit with Spurs fans, but for me, I mean, he, he does look as though he is Spurs' best defender at the moment. Well, George, um, do you not agree, Joe? I think at the moment with, with, with Sanchez, he looks like he's getting better game by game for the club, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he did have a very difficult start to the season. I think he was was it he was moved out to right back, I think. And um, he obviously lost confidence there. But look, he's, he's a guy that we know, you know, he spent £42 million on. Um, he's clearly got a very, a, a huge amount of potential. I think, he, you know, as, as I said with Foyt, there's a lot to like about his game, but he just seems to have also be defensively uh, a lot better. I think that maybe one criticism you'd have of him is his positioning. I think at times he can get caught out when he's when a ball's gone over the top. But but otherwise, I've been really impressed with Davidson Sanchez this season. And, um, you know, what's he, 22? So I think that, he, again, he's a player I think is only going to get better. I think Davidson Sanchez at the moment, in terms of our back line, for me, he's been the shining light. And John, just to go over that first goal again, I know we don't spend too much time on it, but you have to say, I mean, again, the second goal was comical, but our decision-making, and it was so daft from Wan Foyth, but why do you think, John, as I said to Jamie, every Spurs player 
really stood off Arancic and gave him like an invitation to run through. He also done just to get your thoughts on Gazaniga. Could he have done better? It seemed quite a central shot from Varancic. Should he have kept it out? Yeah, to be honest with you, Ricky, it was a horrific goal to concede from many angles. I mean, let's let's talk about Foyce quickly, just to wrap up on him. Uh, to me now, yesterday was the final, not the final straw for Foyce's career at Tottenham for me, but it was the final straw in telling me that let loan out one Foyce. Let's let him learn these mistakes elsewhere. Let's let him, you know, these mistakes can be ironed out of his game. He is a fantastic defender. He is a full Argentina international. And I do expect and want him to become uh, a regular for Tottenham Hotspur, but I think he does need to go out on loan to, to iron these mistakes out of his game to get more used to the Premier League. So I'd love him to arrange a, you know, six months loan at a Brighton or a Bournemouth or someone like that in January. I just feel like he needs to get these mistakes out of his system because he can't keep starting games for us and costing us. Uh, it's happening all too often now. As, as Jay said, you know, a lot of Tottenham fans are wondering when is this guy going to become good or when is he going to learn? Well, I feel like it's unfair because he doesn't get a chance to learn. He always just comes in out of the blue, having not played for, for, for weeks and months on end. He comes in, naturally he makes a mistake because the style of the player he is, he carries the ball forward. He's not afraid to, to, to take risks. But unfortunately, when he's playing for us at the moment, these risks are costing us. And it was comical diddly-dallied on the ball and, and was intercepted. Uh, along with that, there was Al world just simply backing off um, instead of going out to the ball and confronting the, the player. And then, as you said, Gazaniga was poor. He was in the middle of the goal and it sort of just went underneath him. I, I'd expect you, Valoris, to have saved that. could never save a definite, but I just think his experience would have told him that where that shot was going and he would have possibly saved it. I mean, Gazaniga on the whole hasn't been too disappointing. Uh, obviously, the Chelsea Kung Fu Panda moment aside um, in this whole period. Kung Fu for, Panda moment. <laughs> yeah, you know, had he been better than Michel Vaughan would have been? Absolutely, you know, so... Um, I think he's been a decent stand-in, but he was he was disappointing with that that goal yesterday. And you know, where were other defenders? You know, where was Ndombele running back? Where was the Chelsea running back to stop this guy? He just carried the ball forward, and he seemed to have oceans of time to pick his spot, and then he just rolled it underneath Gazaniga. So it was a hugely disappointing goal to concede. And just briefly moving on a few minutes further than that, can we discuss the pukey VAR goal? I mean, to me, that was a perfectly legitimate goal. We would have been 2-0 down at that point and the game would have been dead by half-time. Yeah, um, I promise you, John, we're going to come on to Pookie in a second. We're going to come on to that VAR moment. But I just want to bring it back to a second, what you mentioned in terms of one Foyth. Because, Jamie, we had a question here just on Foyth and his potential long-term future at the club. And this is from Jack Law at Custard Creams. He says, do you think the Foyth experiment has to now end? Every game he plays, it's either a red card, a penalty or a mistake leading to a goal. Even for a young defender, it's far too many mistakes in so few games. Do you agree? It has been very disappointing with Wayne Foyt every time he has played. To be honest, though, I think I think John has kind of nailed it there, really, um, in terms of maybe he does need a loan. Um, because, as he said, he just hasn't really, every time he has come in, it's, it's kind of been out of nowhere. And, he's, and when you're playing, you know, one game every five, it's very difficult to get that rhythm. Um, and, you know, what well, he's young, he hasn't played much... Um, you know, he hasn't played much senior football, so he's not really ever had a chance to learn. He's certainly not a talent. I think he's a talent that if we were to lose, I think we will end up regretting losing him. Um, and I think that maybe a loan would be the right option for, um, for Spurs and one Foyt because long term, I would love to see him partner Davinson Sanchez. Maybe um, I think that's a partnership that would potentially excite me in two or three years time. But now, yeah, it's, it is disappointing the way that he, you know, he has been playing. Um, and I wonder whether maybe, you know, if he was to do his learning in another position, I wonder whether, you know, I've always kind of been quite strong about him playing it right back. I think Mourinho did make the point, though, that, you know, you've got Serge Aurier. Yes, he's a very poor player, but he does give you kind of, he's a lot more dynamic than one point is. So 
um, he's, Mourinho's kind of ruled out that option of him playing right back. But I'm wondering whether, you know, he's, he's capable of playing in a holding midfielder. Um, you know, we've seen him, how good he is on the ball um, and kind of the way he can carry the ball. Um, and he's obviously very good um, passer as well. So, yeah, look, for me, I think that John has got it right. I think a loan is needed. Um, and a lot of the criticism is harsh um, because he just hasn't really had that run of games. And also, Jay, just to get your thoughts on Gazaniga, I asked John the same. You know, he made a good save early on to deny Marco Steeperman after Tungin Nabele and Christian Eriksen collided on the edge of the box. And just a bizarre chuckle brothers moment, you have to say, in terms of how that chance came about. I mean, some fans suggesting, Jay, that since the Liverpool game, Gazaniga has been quite poor. I mean, what have you made of his overall contribution since that game? And should he have done better with that opening Norwich goal? I do think it's really harsh on Gazaniga because, look, for me, I think he's come in and been a really good number two. Um, Would yes, you not though think, Jay, it's straight at, is it not straight down centrally at him, that goal? Do you not think it, he should be doing better than that? He's got a hand to it. Should he not be strong to be able to palm that away? I mean, it's, it, I would totally understand if it's placed to the left or to the right of him. But when it's centrally like that, straight down the middle, should he not be doing more? Yeah, potentially. Um, but look, as I said, I, just, I don't want to be too harsh on him because he is, at the end of the day, he has come in and he is the number two. I think on a lot of occasions, he has been brilliant. Um, just one off the top of my head was that save against Bayern Munich um, where he tipped under the crossbar and I'm sure he has produced he's produced other big moments so look he's a number two um, I think you know uh, Lee, Lee said that maybe he has he could push for the number one jersey but for me I just don't think he is and never will be good enough uh, to, to have that number one jersey but as a number two look I think he's, he's doing a very good job um, and also I think when you look at the defence in front of him I think at times, it, you know, that's not going to fill any keeper with uh, confidence that you've got players like that in front of you um, that are causing mistakes like they have done. So, look, I don't, I don't want to be too harsh on Gazaniga because as a number two, I think he's done a very good job whilst Loris has been out. And it does appear, again, according to reports, Loris should be back for the new year, but knowing top that will probably be March. So keep an eye on the team news of the club for that one in terms of Hugo Lloris's return. Now, we are going to discuss, as John did mention briefly earlier, the VAR incident. And John, I'm going to start with you because after consulting with the VAR, Kevin Friend overturned the goal of Timuki because he was offside in the build-up. Now, I'll be honest, John, for me, uh, taking all bias aside, you know, again, it's more absolute nonsense from VAR, which you've seen during this festive period. You know, the Pookie goal ruled out when level. If you have to draw lines and dots and it's still not clear either one way or the other, then you've got to stop undermining these officials, haven't you? Yeah, it was horrific in my opinion. I mean, if that was us the other way around and we just scored in a, in a game to go 2-0 up against a bigger club at home, you know, say we were playing Liverpool or someone, it's the equivalent of Norwich playing us, in my opinion. Um, you know, to, to go 2-0 up, game sort of sealed before half-time, you'd be absolutely buzzing. They're bottom of the league, they needed that. In my opinion, there was absolutely nothing. As was happened to us against Brighton a couple of days earlier with Harry Kane's goal against, against Brighton, you know, so... I'm just getting very, very fed up with this VAR. Norwich should feel very hard done by. I mean, that one in particular was the worst I've seen, I think. Pukie's one in terms of nothing in it whatsoever to me. And then it seemed like from the commentary I was watching, the VAR guys, Stockley Park, couldn't even come up for a reason themselves why it was disallowed. Apparently that he'd run from an... He was offside previously when the ball was played or something and then run onside. But to me, that's not the rules. You know, That's not how it works. Um, and then obviously there was a further incident later on in the game where I don't know how Jamal Lewis wasn't sent off for a, a handball. I'm sure we'll come on to that. So VAR was, was up to its old tricks again yesterday and I just want rid of it. I'm done with VAR. Although we've benefited from it, I think it's the greater good of football that we go back to the old way because it's just unenjoyable for fans in the stadium. You know, they don't know what's going on. Um, 
you know, and to me, it seemed like a perfectly good goal for Puki yesterday. And that would have made it a far harder task for us to get something out of the game being 2-0 down just before half-time. You know what's funny, John? I saw some put a clip up of the Crouch goal in the Champions League, that goal that got us to the Champions League for the first time under Harry. And everyone said to me at that time, you know, if you had VAR then, could you imagine trying to trying to stop play when those things would have carried on with the supporters and Crouchy running to, to the fans? Because you look at it now and it is absolutely killing the emotional side of football. And, you know, we're a team, as you said there, John, we've benefited from it at times and, you know, it's also hindered us. But, you know, to have to stop play what we've done over this period where we've seen so many games being affected by it, it is making the game personally, for me, unenjoyable. And I just wonder, you know, because of the amount of, of criticism it's got, I still am not sure whether it will be here to stay. But you do have a thing that once it comes into the game... It then looks very, very difficult to then try and remove it. So something has to be done because the decisions, Jay, just to bring it back around to you, there was even, a, a, I think, a parody Paddy Power account on Twitter suggesting that it was Pookie's long hair, <laughs> long hair nose, which was the reason why that goal was ruled out. I mean, even after the game, we saw the manager of Norwich, Daniel Farke, say, such decisions are not in the sense of the game. I can't influence it. It's wasted energy. Mentally, I'm prepared that VAR decisions will go in favour of us this season and will go against us. And that is exactly the way I'm feeling. I mean, Jay, should we have games like that? Should we just be accepting of the VAR in general? The thing is, nobody wants to see an armpit being ruled for offside. No one wants to see a fingernail or whatever it is being ruled off for offside because offside is there because it's given that because the, um, the attacker has gained an advantage from being in a certain position. And that's just not, that's just, it's, I don't know, it just kind of defeats the whole object of it. Secondly, I know that VAR isn't even accurate enough to kind of measure such tight decisions because there's you know the thickness of the line that they're drawing um when the when the, the you know to get the exact frame of when the ball has left the player's foot um for me i, I feel as though there just needs to be some sort of leeway with these offsides because they have just been awful and especially over this christmas period they've been absolutely atrocious some of the decisions of where you know a hands over the line and it, it's just killing the joy of football completely and you know I'm sat there as a Spurs fan. I'm like, look, just that it's a goal. We were so poor. It should be 2-0 to Norwich. They are worthy of having a two-goal lead. And as I said, I just feel as though there needs to be some sort of leeway with um, or margin for error with these offside decisions. There needs to be a... They, the Premier League or whoever uh, sets the rules needs to decide that um, on the offsides to, get, to allow the attacker a certain margin of error um, so that we're not having decisions where, it's, as I said, it's like a toenail offside or an armpit offside because it's just killing football at the moment. And yeah, I, I'm really fed up with the offside rule um, and, and with uh, how it's been used with VAR. You have to feel now what we're, we're halfway through the season um, in terms of that we're, we're in December now. And, you know, to have to still be talking about it, that, that's a big, big concern, I think, just in general, that it's still on our mouths, on our tongues every single week, just in terms of the VAR decisions going for and against teams. And you feel there has to be, there has to be more consistency if it is going to stay in the game. But what we're going to do now, we are going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we are going to be discussing Christian Eriksen's wonderful free kick, which saw Tottenham level it up. The Serge Aurea comedy show, which to be fair, you have to mix in Toby Adderville with that as well. And we are going to discuss Harry Kane once again, getting on the score sheet amongst this festive period and Southampton to come. Do not go anywhere. We are going to be back after this very short 
break. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. As we said, it's Christmas period. We're still going. We've still got Jamie and John here. Delighted to have them back on the show. And John, I'm going to come round to you to discuss Christian Eriksen's free kick, which flew into the back of the net as Spurs found their equaliser against Norwich. Let's be honest about it. Eriksen had very little to do in the attacking sense in that first half, but he did make his mark after he released Ali with a wonderful pass and levelled with a sublime free kick. John... We've not had too much nice to say about Christian Eriksen on this show, but do you have to give him credit for what was a fairly good free kick? That's Christian Eriksen we'd all want to see, and that's the Christian Eriksen that myth would have you believe if we see on a regular basis. But if we're looking at cold, hard facts, that was his second free kick he scored since 2014 for Tottenham. Obviously, there was the one against Everton at the end of last season, and then that free kick yesterday. Um, before that, it was those two at Swansea away back in 2014. So, yeah, it was good, but I expect to be seeing that a lot more from Christian Eriksen. And it got us out of a, a sticky situation yesterday, because in my opinion, we weren't really creating much. And when we did get that set-piece opportunity, uh, we took it with both hands, because we'd seen an earlier set-piece opportunity when we had a corner, and Norwich's six-foot-five centre-half was off the pitch injured. We opted to play it short, which was absolutely ludicrous. Instead of whipping it into the box and taking advantage of their tallest player not being on the pitch and, and being a man light, uh, we ended up taking a corner short and passing it all the way back home. So it was good that with a free kick, we actually utilised it for once um, and scored an important goal. And it was good for Christian Eriksen to score that goal. Do I think that's going to change anything with his future? Absolutely not. I still expect him to announce he's signing a pre-contract with a, a big European side you know, in, in the next couple of weeks, uh, as he'll be entitled to do so. Um, but while he's on the pitch for Tottenham, I'm pleased that he's scoring goals and, and contributing. Jay, just to bring it round to Eriksen, he was given the man the match award for that game, as we're aware. And Eriksen, just in terms of that now, has scored 12 Premier League goals from outside the box since 2016-2017 for Spurs. Only Kevin De Bruyne has scored more. And he's scored the most Premier League goals from direct free kicks, eight of them, since August 2013. So where they may not have been on a regularity basis, as John maybe pointed out there... He's still got a phenomenal record in terms of his Premier League one for a free kick scored. And Jake, what did you make of his overall performance? Because Spurs fans were singing Eriksen's name surely for the first and maybe for the last time this season. Overall, happy with that display from Eriksen? And was he right to be starting that game? I think it has been a really disappointing last season um, from Eriksen. Um, he has been really poor every time he has featured. Um, but I think against Brighton, I thought he, he looked a lot better when he came on. He kind of helped us to, to go on and win that game. I was really impressed with his performance against them. Um, and then I think against Norwich, I thought in the second half he was really good. Uh, he, was, he definitely had a, a better performance than he has done. So I think fair play to him. And yeah, if we can have that Ericsson for however long uh, we've got him for, uh, whether that be until January or until the end of the season, then I think he's been good so far. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, as, as John said, I do think he will be off. Um, um, of course, Jose Reno kind of has spoken that his future is now decided. Um, and you would have thought that if it was decided um, and he was staying, then you would have signed that contract. Or Mourinho would have spoken about that, um, you know, his long term uh, future is committed to the club. But the way that he's kind of bit saying that, you know, he's not going to reveal what Ericsson said to him um, in terms of his future, it does sound as though he's very much going to be off. So, yeah, look, it is disappointing that he um, that it's kind of ending like this because he is starting to play well again. Um, but yeah, look, uh, so it's, hopefully we can just kind of get it resolved now um, and, and let's see what happens. Interestingly, Jay, for you, I know we've discussed Ericsson a lot on the previous four or five weeks of the show and rightly in terms of him playing and not playing. Do you think his lack of form has been down to 
not wanting to play for the club? Or do you think it has purely been a confidence thing? Because Jason mentioned recently that even for Denmark, he hasn't been his old self. Do you think it's kind of been one thing after another, Eriks? And as we know, at the start of the season, there was that random story that started over a Facebook group and the whole thing with a tongue. And then you had that situation. And you've had, obviously, him continually being in the press about not wanting to sign a new contract. Dante Pochettino left. And obviously, a lot of that was down to players not wanting to be there, the likes of Eriksson. And to be fair, do you think over time, it's kind of been every time Eriksson has been on the pitch, there's been like something hitting him in terms of confidence. Is that what it is for you more than him actually wanting to get away from the club and being a divisive figure? It's more that he doesn't want to be here now. He wants to go, but it's been a lot of pressure on him over this period. 100% confidence. I do maybe get annoyed with people when they do criticise him, saying that he hasn't been performing because he is off. I think that, unfortunately, his future, you know, just that, how unsettled it's been in terms of um, all the speculation surrounding where he's going to go. Um, will he leave Tottenham on a free transfer? I think that that's just really unsettled him, to be honest. Um, it's his own fault, let's let's be honest, because he hasn't signed that contract. Um, and obviously, he was very he very freely spoke about wanting to leave the club. Um, so, yeah, look, for me, it has it's never really been down to uh, an attitude problem. I mean, I wonder whether you know he kind of thought that he'd be off by now, um, and maybe he lost a bit of confidence in terms of that he didn't quite get his move over the summer. Um, that he was kind of expecting would happen and he'd be off at Real Madrid or wherever he wants to be playing. But um, yeah, look, as, as, as John said, um, I think in the, in the next couple of days we will uh, hear news of, of, of where he's kind of agreed to go. In Ericsson, it's one of those there, but for as long as he's playing for us, I think you want to try and get behind him. And again, it does appear that he wants to leave, whether it'll be in January, we'll wait and see. But I think if we can utilise him, even if it's off the bench, we should do because he's still got, as we've seen, that bit of quality that at the moment the way we're defending, you're going to need that. And we are going to discuss now, it's John, time for Surge. And this could be a long segment. So we're going to try, <laughs> we're going to try and keep it as subtle as we can on Surge because we could be here for a long time. Now, I know the podcast is generally in the past had a, you know, had a bit of criticism for not giving Serge Aurea um, the benefit of the doubt in certain situations. But John, when you analyse Serge's performance against Norwich... It's very, very hard to defend him on this because we'll discuss, obviously, that own goal. I mean, Aurea scored, as we know, the own goal. As Adamiro tackled and it bundled off him past the goalkeeper. I mean, it was an absolutely comical goal that I'm sure will go out there again for all the, all the laughs and the jokes. And it'll be on there on Twitter and Facebook and all the funny groups. But, you know, it was, let's be honest, a Sergio Aurea classic. Sanchez, Adamiro and Aurea all involved in that. An absolute comedy of errors. Just how much blame do you place on Sergio Aurea in terms of that move and throughout the game for you, John? Typical Sergio Aurea, wasn't it? I mean, people say, oh, we've, you know, we, we've been harsh on him or we don't give him praise, but he cost £23 million. And it's just mistake after mistake after mistake. He's one good game and then everyone's screaming, I'll give him a chance and best ball back at the club and all this sort of stuff. He, he is a disappointment. He's never been good. Uh, I'm not a fan of him whatsoever. I feel like we're using him as a stopgap. Never been good, John. Uh, Never, get... ever for you been good. Not at all. Look, no, no, not look, even an odd game. He's been okay. Look, there's been look, there's been a few average performances and okay performances. I look at that game against uh, Crystal Palace earlier in the season, where he was one afternoon he put on an impersonation of Cafu and he was excellent. But we've not seen enough for someone that cost twenty three million pounds. And people are going to say, oh, but he won all these trophies, you know, playing for PSG. Those trophies were against clubs like Grenoble Foot and Clermont Foot 93. You know, these are pub outfits. He's a disappointing player. He hid behind quality at PSG. And unfortunately, in the Premier League, there is nowhere to hide. Uh, yesterday, it was a Norwich 
team that actually left out their, their best attacking player, in my opinion, in Todd Campbell, who's been excellent this season. They, they rested him. Um, and still they gave us a torrid time. And, and Sergio Aurea was all over the shop again. A comical own goal to add to the list of gaffes of penalties, red cards, foul throws, you name it. Sergio Aurea's speciality at ruining Christmas. Um, and I've just had enough of him. I've had ruining enough. Christmas. And, you know, <laughs> in the words of some people, it's time to go for Sergio Aurea. Hopefully in January we can get him out the door. I've had enough. I mean, Jay, I want to ask you, because some will say, I mean, it was a calamity, but Aurea was not all at fault for that because Sanchez piled through the back of an attacker and the ball broke them and Toby couldn't get across. And Pukki's shot, actually, you know, when you look at it, it, it pushed the ball onto Toby's foot from Serge Aurea. And it, it's one that you can't get away from. You know, Timu, you look at his face, he couldn't believe his luck, the ball went into the back of the net. However, you know, people will argue again, you know, that it was Toby and everyone's clearance that hit him and it found the bottom corner for Norwich's second. I mean, just on Aurea, if I read you out some of these stats, Jay, you know, his performance was tackles one, six out of seven, 90% of those, aerial duels won six, dribbles completed two, duels overall won 14 out of 16, which is 90%. This is where it gets worse or gets bad. Crosses completed zero out of seven and then the one own goal. Have we been fair, Jay, in terms of the criticism that Sir Jury has got and how much patience have you got left with Serge? Well, firstly, I'm not quite sure I'm meant to follow up that uh, that rant from John. That was, uh, I think he was very much spot on there. Um, look, it was just a case of Serge Aurea fell asleep. Um, I think it's harsh to criticise others because I've watched the goal back and it is kind of, he's allowed Puki space to run into and, and then just have a sh- chance to be one-on-one. And um, it, was, it was awful yesterday. It was another very poor performance. It's clearly not good enough for Spurs. Um, as I said, you know, there was talk, maybe Jose Mourinho um, said that he's, you know, he wants to turn him into one of the best fullbacks in the world. I h- really hope that yesterday, like a few players we've mentioned, that is kind of maybe his last chance. Um, but the, the issue is there's no really one else to, to come and fill in now. Um, uh, obviously, Carl See, that, That's what amazes well. me, Jay. You know, I've got to ask you that point. When You know, when people say, oh, just don't yeah. play him. Well, it's not like Mourinho's got another three or four right-backs to choose from. We haven't really got the benefit of being able to play someone that is reliable. And Carl Walker-Peters, we're going to come on to him later in terms of what his future or, or where it may be at. But he looks nowhere near ready to be able to be in that Spurs team in a consistent run at the moment. Therefore, does Mourinho really have another option at right-back? We saw Sanchez there under Pochettino. It didn't look great. Has he got much choice but to play him at the moment, Jay? Well, look, it's, it's, it's annoying because you'd have thought, look at the number of players that Jose Mourinho's have come in and, and made um, improve already. The likes of Mora, I think, Scott Better, Deli Ali, Harry Kane um, have all kind of found form under Mourinho, but uh, Aurea just hasn't. And I think that's another case where, you know, maybe we've argued with other Spurs fans about what's going wrong and whether, you know, people who don't like Jose Mourinho or not. His right back currently is Serge Aurea. And he doesn't have any options to swap it out. And it, it's that. And I think, like, you know, he's got a, such a squad full of so many problems that this season, you know, you can't really expect too much. It's kind of just about grinding out results. And, you know, that's, that's where I do have some sympathy in, in these, you know, when we have results like this, because he's got to play players that he's got players like Sergio Aurea only available to him at right back. And, and there's where Spurs' issues are. Um, and, and you just hope that that's an area now that Spurs are looking at, um, hopefully in January, and thinking that we need to go and in, we need to go and strengthen it right back. Agree. Yeah, and just in terms of Spurs' defending at the moment, I mean, no team has more Premier League own goals in 2019 than Tottenham Hotspur. Spurs have also now made 12 errors from individual players leading to goals 
in this calendar year. And when we talk about individual mistakes and from the same group of players, I mean, that stat there is absolutely damning. And we've only now managed one clean sheet in all of the 10 matches which Jose Mourinho has managed the football club. Spurs have also now conceded 17 goals, which is the most of any top flight side during that period. Mourinho, after the game, criticised Spurs for handing out late Christmas presents to Norwich. He said, I know it's not Boxing Day, but we gave Norwich an absolute gift for their first goal, followed up by gift number two. We have to work to try and stop with the mistakes. And, you know, what's just interesting on that, we've got a load of listener questions, and we're going to go through them right now, and I'm going to ask you guys a flavour of what's coming. So, John, I'm going to start with you. This is from Justin Steichen who says, Jose said he could fix our defence, but we have to give up the attacking play. Is it time to implement that style? Can't any big sides and struggle to beat bad teams the way they play now? Thoughts? I think we're, we're so close to that January window now. We're on the 29th of December today. Um, you know, I just feel like we need to get into that January window and see what we can do business-wise because there's got to be other right-backs and left-backs out there. So you don't think, John, just very quickly on that, you you don't think, John, that there needs to be a change in style of play like Mourinho has already indicated that for him, if he had the opportunity, in order to kind of get Spurs defensively better, he knows what he needs to do. He hasn't got the personnel to do it at the moment because what what could he possibly do to, to, to change what? Take Ali out of the team who's scoring goals? Take Kane out of the team who's scoring goals? No, we haven't really got the option to do that. Uh, it's not a good enough swap to take one of those two players out of the team to whack in Harry Winks or Eric Dyer or Skip or something like that. We haven't got a, a good enough players to implement what he's saying at the moment. I see what, what he's saying and I appreciate that. But at the moment, we haven't got the personnel to do, do what he wants to do. OK, uh, another question in, Jay. This one is from... Jatink at Jatink, who says, what's really causing the defensive troubles? Is it a lack of confidence that's leading to individual errors or is it the lack of quality at both left and right back? Thoughts? Yes, um, I think one thing that is a big issue is the midfield as well. There doesn't really seem to be much cover at all. Um, Yesterday, it was kind of really the most defensive player in the team was Tongi Ndombele. So there is very little cover in front of the defence. But... Look, it's it's just a case that there are too many players in that team that have mistakes in them. Um, you know, I know a lot of people love them, but Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld, as I've said, they've made lots of mistakes this season. Um, and then, of course, you've got the the fullback. So, whatever. Look, it, for, again, I'll say it again. You know, Jose Mourinho, whatever he does, he cannot legislate for those sort of errors in the team. No sort of tactics you're going to kind of get you over that. And and that's where I'd say. I don't know whether Jose Mourinho can can go defensive because I don't think he has the quality of players and the right players to be able to go and implement a, a more defensive style. I think at the moment our attack is clearly is obvious is by far and away our most um, our, our biggest asset at the moment, and I really would not like to sacrifice that um, for, for for the sake of the defence because at the moment they're just atrocious. So. Look, for me, I certainly would not like to see us try and go more defensive. I'm going to stick with you, Jay. Another question in here. Um, this one is from Getting Worse, at Getting Worse. It says, why is everyone giving Orion Foyth all the crap when both of the goals were Toby's mistakes? They may not have had the best game for us, but to put the blame solely on those two when Toby's the biggest culprit is just simply ridiculous. Do you agree? Yes, 100%. Um, Look, I was really happy when Toby Alderweireld signed that contract um, just because, look, you don't want to see a player leave like that for free. I mean, we know on his day he's a really talented defender. But before that, I wasn't... I mean, it's going to sound uh, it's going to sound bad, but I wasn't too bothered whether Toby Alderweireld left. I thought as though 
maybe you want to see me fine. that Jay you, you want to see me that it wouldn't yeah, have been too concerned yeah. if he left really I, I think Jason said it before you know it's, it's about having that fresh start and I just felt as though Toby Alderweireld was a player that hasn't really been his best ever since he had that um, that hamstring injury I think it was um, it was two or three two seasons ago I believe it was he just hasn't been quite the same player and you know we saw yesterday um, in terms of the goal he backed off and I think there's been plenty of other times this season where he has been poor but as I said I I'd, I said, I'd much rather he signed because, look, we know he, on his day, as I said, he's a very good defender, but he's got all those errors in him. And, and for me, you know, again, it's, I think the centre-back's another area where Spurs do maybe need to go and address and try and look for someone of a, of a top calibre um, to go and strengthen. Because at the moment, you know, I look at the, the, op- the other two options, aside from uh, with Davinson Sanchez in, in Yamatongan and and Toby Alderweireld. And yeah, I, I think that there's, they've got errors in them. This is a question here from Monty Theroux who says, does the podcast have enough listeners that we can all chip in a tenner and pay Ori enough to go off to Foxtrot Oscar ourselves? <laughs> John, what do you reckon? Can we start a GoMe fund? What do you reckon for Ori? Yeah, I reckon we can. Put that out there as a poll, Ricky. Get, see the pelters come in. Um, no, you know, can we do it? Absolutely. You know, if there's a, a way... We can do that as a club. Will that benefit us? Absolutely. Let's get on with that, guys. Great suggestion. My God, only Spurs fans, eh? Crowdfund me's and God votes and polls got to turn into Arsenal fans. Let's not make that happen. God, but I agree with that. I do agree with the sentiment. Sergio, for me, it's difficult with Mourinho. I'll say that point again. I think the players that are in reserve are just simply not good enough. And at the moment, he's working with what he's got. And believe me, we know Mourinho. When that transfer window opens, Spurs' message has consistently been in those Mourinho's that we don't need to spend. My God. We do need to spend and we need to spend fast. And that's not me saying because I love the January transfer window. There's just serious, serious problems within this squad and we need to try and address some of those if we can in January. Despite me saying on many times, January is a panic window. It is inflated prices, but we do need to try and sort this defence out because the amount of goals we're conceding, the manner of them, the amount of individual mistakes in this group that we've said time and time again, like a broken record on this podcast, it needs to be fixed. It truly, truly does. And Mourinho's comments, I mean, Jay, just this one here that I know you put out on your Twitter afterwards where he said, I think if Amazon wanted to do episodes, they will have a whole episode on our defensive mistakes. I mean, Jay, I'd go even go one further and say they've probably got a whole series on it, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it is obviously it's frustrating. And that's again where, you know, I do, I, I will hold reserve criticism for Jose Mourinho because you, you don't want to see him getting criticised for having um, um sort of poor defending that like he has had um I think it was very clear as I said you know we changed manager because there are real deep uh, underlying issues at Spurs and Mourinho what he's for six weeks to try and fix that he maybe hasn't hasn't um been able to fix that at the moment but look as you said I do think it is a case of Spurs do need to go and sign some players in the January transfer window Spurs cannot afford to stand still again I think that that We've really felt the effects of having stood still for so long. I think it was, was it 18 months or so that we, we didn't sign a player for. And it's really come back to bite us this season because, you know, we've got a squad that kind of went a bit stale. I even look to Liverpool and see the way they're, you know, they're however many points clear, 15 points or so clear. Um, and they're bringing in Minamino, um, it, you know, and that's what January is all about. It's about, you know, they've signed him for £7 million and, it's, and you've just got to be clever in January. Spurs have got to go and look for someone um, who they know, they can trust, and and they've just got to try and be clever. They cannot afford to go and uh, to not sign anyone because there are, as we said, there's so many issues in this team, in midfield, in defence, 
Um, and I just hope that Spurs can can try and find uh, some um, some alternatives in the in the window. I remember, Jay, you speak about Liverpool. I remember when you came on the radio, I think, for one of the very first times, and you said at the time, and this is when Ericsson was in his pomp, doing really well, and you said, I'd tell Ericsson, look at the way Liverpool sold Coutinho, and they end up getting a better side. And you was very brave at that point, and put your neck on the line and said, look, I would get rid of I would get rid of Ericsson, I would make sure we put that money into areas in the squad that Spurs need to invest in. And you look now, 18 months later, and you, and you fast forward, and a player wants to leave, and Spurs' defence, we just look like we need such a, an overhaul, just generally amongst the team. I, I, I can't remember saying this, that Spurs do need to go and maybe look at Liverpool's recruitment model, which has worked so well, you'd say, since Klopp has come through the door. The way he has replenished that squad and refreshed it. And in every competition, I say, bar maybe the League Cup because of the nature that they went for the, the Club World Championship, they're giving absolutely everything a go. And Klopp actually believes that Liverpool can win everything. When you look at the winning mentality in that team... They are going to, you know, if they don't win the league now, then God, I, I don't know how they would throw this away. But, you know, they are, everyone in that team knows their jobs, knows what they're doing. And Spurs under Mourinho need to get to that point where we have a squad in place which is good enough to compete for the Premier League and the Champions League, you know, hopefully in the next year or so. Because I look at the moment and with the fullbacks we have in place, there's absolutely not a chance that we can compete for a Premier League or a Champions League. And I tell you what, if we do make the top four this season... For me, that's a, a really, really positive step in the right direction when you look at what Mourinho's had to deal with in terms of the squad that's been left at his disposal. Yes, I know it got to a Champions League final, but let's not kid ourselves. Domestically, form-wise, it wasn't good enough. And I think we've even said the domestic form, if you look at over the calendar year of 2019, played 38, won 16, drew 8, lost 14, a total of 56 points accumulated. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. That is... A mid-table team, you know, that's not Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. It definitely, definitely isn't. So there's a lot of work to be done in terms of the replenishing of that squad. And we have to say, Harry Kane was the man that saved Tottenham the embarrassment of a defeat to Norwich. He scored his penalty. And just to bring it back to that move, John, um, Kane absolutely wiped out. But as usual, Harry Kane stepped up and absolutely blasted the ball home, you know, converted it with ease. And Harry Kane now is record 136 Premier League goals in 200 appearances Harry just keeps on scoring, doesn't he, John? Yeah, he showed real bottle to score that, actually. And I'm going to give a bit of credit to Norwich fans. I thought they made that a really intimidating atmosphere to take that penalty. Every single one of them was up jumping around, waving their flags. Um, you know, I'd like to see us doing things like that more often when we concede penalties at home. Let's make it as hard as possible for the opposition to benefit from the, from the penalty. And, you know, the Norwich fans were up for it. And, and as was Tim Claw, I could see him putting a few words uh, about and, and kept moving off his goal line and that sort of thing. But it shows the bottle of Harry Kane just stepped up there, you know, 80 plus minutes on the clock and absolutely buried it um, to, uh, and ran to get the ball, unlike Aubameyang a couple of weeks ago. And he equalised and he ran to the crowd to celebrate a 1-1 at Bournemouth. Our captain, our leader, buried his penalty, grabbed the ball and ran back to the centre circle with the intention of us going on and getting a third goal and winning the game. Unfortunately, we didn't on this occasion, but it showed the character and personality of Harry Kane to you know, under difficult conditions just to step forward and, and absolutely level that penalty in. Another goal for Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, he's up to 11 for the season in the league now. Um, and it's really impressive, again, from Harry, you know, at a time when we need him to deliver, he did that. Um, and yeah, I was just I was really impressed with him for, for finishing the penalty in a difficult scenario. Just on Harry, Jamie, you know, Harry gets often labelled a penalty merchant and a tapping merchant. But I think when you look at the goals, those 200, 20 of Harry Kane's 136 Premier League goals in the first 200 were scored from the penalty spot. I mean, he's hardly a penalty merchant, is he? Yeah, look, I was, I was about to say that stat as well. It's, it's exactly that, you know. Sorry, he's, mate. He's very... <laughs> Sorry, about no, stole no, your thunder. 
no, um, look, he's he's look, he's also he's fantastic for winning them. I know a lot of people criticise him for the way that he goes over in the area, but look, it was it was he was clearly taken out. It's brilliant that he's always you know he's always looking for that, and that's just part of the game. You know, if you don't want to give away penalties and you don't want to keep you know and you keep giving away these penalties to Harry Kane, then don't give him the chance to go down, and and that's the whole thing. He's he's so good at winning them. And I don't care what anyone says about diving. I think it's part of the game. If you if you get that contact and you're able to do it as well as Harry Kane does, he's won us so many points. And of course, you know, as as you said, look, I I, I hate that notion that he's that he's a penalty merchant because I think that stat says it all. You know, what's that? Fifteen percent of his goals or so in the Premier League. So that's you know, it's nothing. Um, and yeah, look, again, I think it was you know, like John said, it was brilliant to see him. You know, once again. Uh, run back to the centre circle, desperate to desperate to get those three points, and you know that's really what that kind of attitude that we we need in the team at the moment. And um, also on going down, I think um, Jason did point it out to me on Twitter that um, you know Tongi and Dombele when he did that wonderful Rabona free uh, the Rabona uh, cross, um, you know that's that's maybe times when he could have gone down because I think it was I think it was Cadwell that um, that that could have taken him out. And, and that's where Harry Kane is so good. You know, he's so good at winning those penalties. Um, and my message to opposition fans, just don't throw Harry Kane in the box if you don't want him to keep getting penalties. Jamie, very much loud and clear on that message. And again, just on, just on the Kane, um, well, Harry Kane at the moment. John, we've got a question here. And we'll try and get this one quickly answered. Chris Mardell says, if you were Harry Kane, would you ask for a move at the end of the season when we finish outside the top four? Or should we say if? Because I still think Tottenham have got a great chance of finishing the top four. But if you are Harry Kane and you do finish out the top four, take your Tottenham hat off, John. Would you be looking for a move? Or would you give time to the project now Mourinho's at the helm? But if he did decide he wanted to go at the end of the season, there's nothing any of us could hold against Harry Kane. He's put in years of good service for us and always delivered. Um, but I do think it's too early, as you said, Ricky, and it's a big if to rule out top four. We're only five points behind and we've had two chances in the last three weeks to close that gap, which we haven't taken. But, you know, with our run of fixtures to come, I do think that another opportunity will present itself. And after the January transfer window, if Mourinho gets his way and we can shake up this squad a little bit, maybe we can get a run of wins together and get ourselves into that top four. So let's worry about that situation when it comes. But look, if it did come to that situation, Harry Kane did ask to leave Tottenham Hotspur, we couldn't have a go at Harry because he'd done more than anyone for this club to really bring us up to the level where we get to play in Champions League finals, where we get to be Champions League regularly each year. So let's not have a go at Harry if that situation ever did come up. But I don't think it's going to. I think we're going to give ourselves a chance to get into the top four still this season. It's interesting you put that point there, John, because just on that top four, I mean, let's be honest about it, Spurs would have gone into the top four for the first time since the September the 14th if they had won, which makes that defensive nightmare even more tough to take. And if we could just approach games with the mentality from the start of the second half, we'd be a whole different proposition. And you would probably argue at the moment, that is Mourinho's task, to try and get Spurs to start fast from the very first minute and not have to wait for a second half performance just to kickstart, you know, playing well. Because in terms of the slowness of starting games, Jay, it's one that I know Jason wants me to very much make it clear. That stat about 33 long balls being attempted in the first half, that is not renowned for a Tottenham team, regardless of who the coach is. But is that just, again, Mourinho is only trying to work with the with the best of what he's got to some degree and you can't look into stats too much? Or should we be analysing the football at this very early stage? I remember seeing in the, at half-time, seeing that stat that we played 33 long balls. And that, that was really disappointing that we were kind of looking to play that way because, you know, Spurs, obviously, as Jason said, 
Spurs is always about playing attacking football, attractive football, and and you don't want to see that. But as I said, also in in the it was kind of a game of two halves, and I thought in the second half we did kind of go away from that, and we didn't look like we were being so hopeful in terms of just trying to hit it over the top. There was kind of some really nice link up play, and you know maybe on another day we might have a bit more luck in front of goal and. Um, and maybe found a different way to break Norwich down. But look, they've had some great results there at Carrow Road, um, of course, beating uh, Manchester City. So, yeah, look, I think that um, it was it was disappointing that we did draw. But yeah, it was kind of it, it did really seem a game of two halves because I think in the end we did really utilise Tongi and Domele a lot more. I think when you're playing long balls, you're kind of um, you're missing out him and you're missing out on him. And as you said, he really grew into the game in the second half. I think a lot of the criticism has been that he, you know, he does seem to fatigue. Well, look, he got better over 90 minutes yesterday. So that was a great sign to see. I think that, as I said, we utilised him a lot more. We were giving him a chance to to bring the ball forward and, and then play balls through the lines, as we know he's so good at. So, look, that second half performance um, did give me a lot to be positive about. Uh, going forward. I'm going to just quickly mention about Tungin Ndombele before we look ahead to Southampton because he, to be honest with you, he was the star of the show. I mean, he was so technically clever when he's on the ball. He breaks those lines with them splitting passes, but he shouldn't be our deepest midfielder. For me, I still think we need him just in front of a DM so he can really affect the play a bit more. And just on Tungi, Jose Mourinho after the game said he played very well, passing, movement, turning never playing passes back, always getting the ball and looking forward and going between the lines and looking to the wingers. Fantastic quality of football, I think. Absolutely phenomenal. I think that's been some good news for us. I think a lot of us were kind of worried that when we saw Mourinho's comments recently about Tungi saying he wasn't in a fit condition to play, that he may have upset Mourinho. But I think Mourinho does appreciate this guy is an absolutely quality midfielder. And John, I know you're a massive, massive fan of Tungi Nibale. And the most important thing really is just trying to give this guy a regular run of games and also keeping him fit. But, I mean, John, I haven't heard you recently say anything about his own fitness. I mean, have you been disappointed that since he's been here in June, he hasn't been able to get himself fit enough to play regular football for the club? I think there's been some some interesting circumstances that go with that. Obviously, he's picked up a couple of niggles and, and knocks along the way, a few groin injuries. He is a young man moving to a totally new country. He doesn't speak English, so he's having to rely on Musa Sizoko to basically get a translator for him as well. Uh, he's obviously had a change of manager from the manager that brought him to the club and sold him the philosophy of the club. So there's been a lot of upheaval and change for somebody who's only been in, in London for, for under six months. You know, I think there has been some mitigating circumstances, but I think when we saw him on the pitch, we saw him deliver, and not just for some of the game, for the full you know, 97-plus minutes that the game went on for yesterday, I thought he was absolutely excellent. I'm just hoping to see more of the same. Have I been a little disappointed he hasn't played more? Yes, but I do think there's been some mitigation for that. Yeah, look, I, I spoke very passionately, I think, last time about um, Tongi and Dombele on the on the Toby Alderweireld contract show that we had. Um, and I'll do it again because, look, he's a, he's a young guy. He's just turned 23 years old. Um, as, as John said, he's arriving in the Premier League, uh, a new league to him. And, of course, we know how, how difficult the Premier League is. It's the best league in the world. It's very high intensity. It's very physical. And that's a huge change from what he's experienced in France. And I think that that's going to take, you know, it's going to take a long time for him to kind of settle in. And, you know, I've been really pleased with how he has settled in so far. I know that maybe, um, you know, he has played, uh, hasn't played as much, uh, hasn't had as much game time as maybe we would have hoped. Um, But look, I I really believe that over time he's going to become one of the best central midfielders in the league. I have absolutely no doubt about that. You look at the way he, you know, maybe even not one of his best performances, he was still absolutely outstanding against Norwich. And um, 
Look, I think another thing is, um, as you said, Ricky, I think finding him a partner, someone who's going to be more defensive-minded and allow him to go and express himself, I think that's really important that we can go and find that because I think we've established that he's not really a defensive player. He's more of a guy going forward and, and kind of being able to create. Um, I think the way that he carries the ball is fantastic. The way he can pass the ball through the lines and how creative he is. Um, I think he's very similar to Moussa Dembele, but just seems to be... Um, you know, more direct going forward. And, that, and that's and that been fantastic. Um, I just really want Spurs fans to, to be patient with him because I think we've got a huge talent on our hands and, and a guy that I think will become one of the best in the league in his position. Absolutely agree, Jay. I think he's got a massive, massive future at the club. Now, I want to talk about three players before we move it on to Southampton. And John, I'm going to ask you about Giovanni Lachelle. So let's keep in mind that he hasn't really had yet a regular run of games under Jose Mourinho. I think that was also his, just his first league start in the Premier League under Jose. What have you made, John, of Lachelso so far? Do you see him being a player that can really take the Premier League by the scuff of the neck? Or is it at the moment for you, John, just too early to tell where Lachelso's at in terms of Tottenham and his future? All I've really seen is that hugely impressive 35-minute cameo against Brighton. On the back of that, I did want him to start against Norwich. But I think it's too early to say one way or the other what sort of player we've got there. I think he just needs a run of games and let's give him that. Let's see him start for a consecutive number of games now and play himself into form, 100%. That's my opinion on that. Also, just on Ryan Sezeyong, because you are very much someone that champions the youth players. Ryan being given that opportunity now, back-to-back starts, as you mentioned. He spent most of that first 45 minutes in his own half at Norwich, attacked time and time again, then dropped to left-back after the break as Vertonghen made way. We've got a question here just on Sezeyong, and this question is from Darren Bradford, who says, Sesk needs help on his crossing, but I thought he played well at left-back. Do you think we'll see him in that position sooner rather than later on a regular basis? I don't think we'll see it yet. I think Mourinho seems to be playing him in a more advanced position. Um, but I think let's keep playing him. Let's let's see what we can do with Ryan Sessignon because he's obviously a hugely talented player. Won five separate awards at Fulham in the year he was in the Championship and had some Premier League experience last season as well. So let's keep giving him minutes because we've invested a lot of money in this lad. Uh, and I think he's a hugely promising player and, and a player that will be uh, a mainstay of our team for years to come. I mean, again, I think with a Chelsea, I reckon that will be one of the deals. We're going to come on to it shortly in terms of January. I think you'd be surprised if Spurs don't take up the opportunity to sign him because that fee is going to be cheaper. And I think he's a player that clearly wants to, I think, be at the club. I know he obviously had a close affection with Pochettino and he was one of the main factors of joining. But Spurs, for me, still need a lot of improvement in that central midfield. And hopefully, you know, he's a player that can bring that. I, I still feel we, we are going to need an extra midfielder in there to really find the partners we've already mentioned, Atungi and Dembele. And time will tell, I think, with games whether he's good enough for this Spurs side on a regular basis. Now, Jay, another player that, again, blew hot and cold during that game was Lucas Moura. I mean, for some, Jay, they find Lucas so infuriating to watch because he can beat four to five players with ease. But when it comes down to making a simple five-yard pass, he somehow manages to completely misplace it. I mean... Can you see, Jay, why maybe PSG sold him in a way? Because he did play a big role in the equaliser with a brilliant bit of skill and a long ball to pick out Harry Kane. And that also led to the free kick which Ericsson scored. However, he lost the ball during his cameo on a number of occasions. Just where do you stand for you, Jay, on Lucas Moura? Firstly, I'd just, I'd just like to quickly say on, on Ryan Sessegnon and Giovanni Lacelso, um, I think it's a similar sort of situation in Don Ballet in that we need to give them time. Uh, they need to be given chances, a lot more chances to play. But I think we made three great signings over the summer. So very happy with those uh, those two. Um, look, on, on Lucas Mori has been very disappointing, um, certainly in recent games. Um, yeah, I mean, his, his passing and, and, and sort of doing the simple stuff has been very disappointing. 
Um, I think, you know, when he's he has struggled against some of these smaller teams where he hasn't had so much room to run into. Um, I think we've seen, you know, his dribbling is fantastic. But when when he's playing against sides that kind of sit very compact, he's, he kind of then does seem to struggle because, as I said, his, his dribbling does seem to be his best um, best asset. And, um, yeah, look, that's something that hopefully Mourinho can work on. We know that Mourinho is a big fan of him, so I don't really expect him to, to drop him anytime soon. Um, but, yeah, look, uh, Lucas Moura, I think, has been a bit of a frustration for, for Spurs fans over the over the last few weeks. I totally agree. And it's one of those with Lucas Moura that he can he, he really does split opinion. He's got that quality that we've seen in him, as we say, with that Ajax hat-trick and the Man United brace and you know even the Barcelona goals and Man City he scored against. He's scored some massive goals, but he's a player that will always, I think, to some degree, divide opinion. Whether he starts games, whether he comes on off the bench as an impact sub, remains to be seen. Well, we are going to go for one very final quick break. And when we return, we are discussing Southampton and we are discussing the January transfer window. Make sure you join us. John, next up for Spurs is Southampton. My God, there's so many fixtures. So many fixtures over this Christmas break. I'm absolutely knackered, as I'm sure you boys are too. Southampton so far, John, they've played 20 games. Won six, drawn four, lost ten. We have seen a recent revival in terms of their form. How difficult, John, do you think this game is going to be, Southampton? Yeah, very tough game. I mean, look, we lost at Southampton last year. Uh, it was a James Ward-Prowse free kick, and that's something we're going to have to watch out for. Again, he's a star player for them. And also, Danny Ings is in the form of his life. I believe he's on 12 Premier League goals already. So, you know, that, Harry's on 11. So that shows you what sort of a season Danny Ings is having. Um, they've got some good players at Southampton, you know. So at home, they'll be looking to, uh, to get three points off us. But we'll have to be up to the challenge because we cannot afford to drop any more points against the club that are in the, you know, in the relegation zones uh, or, or there or thereabouts. So we've got to go to Southampton, really get our, you know, our foot down and, and make sure we get the win because anything less than that, if you're taking, you know, two points from Norwich and Southampton away, it's simply not good enough and we can forget about the top four. So we have to go there, really be strong. I'd like to see with this four-day rest between the two games now, I'd like to see the likes of Davidson Sanchez come back into the lineup. I would like to see Tangi on Dombele start again if he feels up to it and if his fitness levels are there. Ryan Sessegnon, Giovanni de Chelsea. I think we need to continue what we left off in the second half at Norwich, uh, where we had them penned into their own half and we were, you know, dominating the game. I want to see more of that from Tottenham. And let's not have one of these slow starts again. Let's go to Southampton. Let's, you know, let's get control of this game. I also think as an outside shout, I think Eric Lamella may start the game. I think he came on. Mourinho has been impressed with him in training. And I think he is a player Mourinho is going to like. So, one to watch out for is a potential start of Eric Lamella. In terms of Southampton team news, I know they're going to be missing Jan Valery, the young right-back. He's now injured at the moment. Uh, Michael Oberfemi, who scored at Stamford Bridge, is also suffering with illness. Uh, so he may also miss out. Um, so there's a couple of players missing out for Southampton. But their star men, of course, will be Danny Ings and James Ward-Prowse from set pieces. Yeah, I think, as you said there, John, players to watch out for. Danny Ings is on a second wave at the moment, isn't he? Playing really, really well. And... Jay, just to bring it over to you, they've lost two, one, two, and drawn one of their last five games. I mean, they're always a difficult side to play against. And you have to say there has been, I think, as I mentioned earlier, they do seem a bit of a different animal now. Since they got absolutely demolished oh, quite a few weeks ago, there does seem to be a bit more of a resilience about Southampton. Do you see that as well? We've got to be cautious in terms of this is now a, a different, very different Southampton side. Um, they picked up, of course, seven points in the last three games. So they have been in... Um, much better form and um, I'm sure Danny Ings will certainly be licking his lips um, looking at kind of that defensive performance. Blimey, you would be <laughs> licking your lips Jay at this defence wouldn't you? Exactly. Would all be. I, think any, <laughs> I think anyone would to be fair. Um, so that obviously you know we're going to have to really watch out for him. 
Um, but no, I think one thing that, that that is good for Spurs, I think, and, and certainly uh, the way I'm thinking as well is, you know, I'm glad that he has come in quite quick succession these games because that Norwich result has really, you know, it's put me in a really poor mood. It's, you know, it's really disappointing that we didn't get the three points there. But I think it's a really good chance for us now to go and move on from that as quickly as possible, not to try and dwell on a, a poor performance at Norwich. Um, and hopefully we just see kind of what we saw from that second half against Norwich, because in the first half, as you said, 33 long balls played. It was a really abysmal uh, first half. And hopefully we can kind of utilise, you know, our more creative players a lot more um, in terms of going forward. I think Tongi and Dombele, as we said in that second half, was fantastic when we when we looked for him and, and gave the ball to him. Of course, Eriksen, Ali um, and Lachelso all, all linked up really nicely. So hopefully we, we can play more you know, more attractive football uh, rather than we did in the first half against uh, Norwich. Jay, just to ask you a question here, Sasha Searching Pat Hell says, after Jose's positive comments on Undembele, do you think he'll risk him in every game or drive inconsistency in the middle to accommodate Undembele when fully fit? I mean, do you think he'll start, Jay, interestingly, against Southampton? Do you think he'll be in the team or not? I think one thing I'd like to also like to say is, you know, it's, it's very difficult at the moment because he's not up to speed. I think it does kind of leave him at, uh, and he's not, you know, maybe not quite as fit as he needs to be for the Premier League. That really leaves him at risk of getting injured. And, you know, I was kind of very disappointed with the reaction from Spurs fans where, you know, he, he kind of, he'd felt, obviously he felt something in, in, his, in his quad that he'd set, mentioned before. And you don't want to risk that because, you know, it's much better that he was out for just one game rather than maybe two or three months that it could have been. So I think it's, I think it was a sensible call. And um, look, we, Hopefully, over time, he can continue to keep playing. Um, do I think he will start? Um, yes, I do think he will start against Southampton, just because it was such a good performance uh, against Norwich. And, and maybe, look, it was yes, it was a draw, and yes, it was disappointing um, that we didn't get the three points. But I think the fact that Jose Mourinho has come out and said what he has about Tongi and Dombele, um, I think the long-term future, I think that that's a, a huge positive we can take away from, from the Norwich game. And talk about long-term futures, Jay. Question in here, actually. This is from Moni at RBTHFC. It's bringing on to the topic we're going to talk about right now. He says, it's clear we lack some quality in some areas that will only be sold by bringing in new players. This will take time and money. Moni says, are you guys afraid if this does not happen or happens too slow, the likes of Kane, Delhi, Son will leave the club and we'll be back to square one? I'll answer that one. I don't think we should be worried at the moment. I think the likes of Harry, Delhi... I think these guys, with Mourinho coming in, you know, this is a massive statement from Tottenham that they want to be one of the biggest clubs in the world. They want to compete for the biggest things. Jose Mourinho is not coming into Tottenham with the squad he's going to have. He's not. He's coming in to improve it. He's coming in to bring winning mentality players. We've said this before that this squad needs players that have been there, done it, have got the ticket, and the know-how to open up defences, the know-how to stop goals going in. And, John, it's that point we're going to bring on to now in terms of the window and what Spurs need very quickly. Because I know you want to give us a quick round-up in terms of the youth. But for you, John, if I was to ask you, give me two players in January. If I ask you now, who would you want to put straight into this Tottenham team that you'd want to see Spurs buy? Who would they be? I know the positions, but the players are harder. You know, because... Give us the positions then, John. Right back and left back. OK, so if we ended January with a new right-back, a new left-back, say if they're decent players, you'd be happy with that. That would be a good, positive window for you. Ricky, I'd be delighted with that. <laughs> OK. John, give us a quick round-up, because I'm going to ask Jay as well about transfers, but I know you want to mention about the, 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 the youth in terms of... We've not had the chance to do a show yet. Just in terms of a round-up in terms of the youth and loans and players coming back and players going out. Give us a round-up, John, quickly. Yes, yeah, so a huge congratulations to Jack Rolls, who obviously 
Uh, got the man of the match for Cambridge United today and scored the only goal of the game as they beat Morecambe 1-0. Jack's had a really promising loan at League 2 Cambridge and uh, he's also got five goals already. It could be that Tottenham look to move him up a league in January. As long as he's continuously playing, uh, he's boding well for his development. Both Luke Amos and George Marsh are continuing to start games for QPR and Leighton Orient, respectively. So that's all going well as well. We have had four players called back from their loans this week, though. You look at Cameron Carter-Vickers, who was recalled from Stoke City due to a lack of game time. Jack Clark has obviously been recalled from Leeds United. That's something me and you, Ricky, have been talking about on our patron shows for a very long time. Yep. And I'm pleased the club have acted proactively and getting it done even before the 1st of January. Let's get these players back. Let me now have a little look at them, make a decision on, on what we're going to do with them moving forward. I think they need to go back out on loan again, whereas Carter Vickers, I would look to permanently sell at this point. Uh, we've also had Kaziah Sterling called back from Doncaster. Unfortunately for Kaziah, what started off as just a, a bruised leg, basically, has turned into a disastrous injury. He's been out for a number of months. Um, so he'll look to build up his rehab and then head out on loan again uh, in January from Hotspur Way. And then Anthony Giorgio, who also has not been getting a look in for Ipswich, now 22 I believe he's older than Tangi and Dombele as well. Um, so it looks, you know, he needs to move on on a permanent basis. I know he's looked good in pre-season a couple of times, but, you know, he's not getting in at League One Ipswich and, and that says enough for me. Agree. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a lot of movement there. And just a reminder to you guys, you can catch me and John's patron shows on a weekly basis. That you can be found our content at www.patreon.com forward slash last word on Spurs. We've got an absolutely cracking show on there at the moment with Lyle Thomas about the transfer window, about players coming in, players coming out, the behind the scenes of how Marino came into Spurs, how Pochettino left. We won't get into that too much. I know both John and Jay are still hurting over Maurizio's loss to some degree. So go and listen to that show. Very, very interesting. Definitely worth signing up for our Patreon material. That website again, www.patreon.com forward slash last word on Spurs. Go and check out the material. And Jay, for someone that I know, you will be covering this January transfer window as you always do. Always do over at Daily Hotspur. Tell us, Jay, who you would like to see come in in January. What you think will happen and will we end it stronger rather than weaker? For me, I absolutely, I do believe that we will go and strengthen. I think that one area we will go and strengthen in uh, is holding midfield. Uh, I think it's become very clear that maybe Eric Dyer isn't quite the player that Jose Mourinho was expecting to be. Um, he has been disappointing this season. Um, and yeah, I, I do hope that we bring in a holding midfielder. I mean, one for me would be Abdelain Decore um, from Watford. I think that he's been, you know, it's all, all kind of the hype around him has kind of died down. And maybe that's a good time to move for him. Of course, he's experienced in the Premier League. I think he's something like 26. So he's a good age. I think he's ready to come in now and make an impact at Spurs. So for me, that would be a good sign for Spurs. Um, another one I'd maybe look at is Youssef Atal from Nice. Um, now, I know he picked up a long-term injury. So maybe it's another good chance for Spurs to maybe go and get a player that where the hype isn't at at the moment. But he's a very talented player. Um, so those would certainly be um, right back and, and holding midfield would be the two positions that I'd like us to go and strengthen in. Um, and, and maybe I, I can't see us bringing in more than two players. Um, but if we could go and get, I think a left back would also be another area. Um, I haven't got any names of maybe who I'd want to bring in, but I do think that, you know, we've, we've seen Yamatong and play there and it, I'm, I'm not too sure it's really worked. Um, Jose Mourinho has kind of spoken about Ryan Sessegnon not being ready. Um, to, to play at left back full time so um, that's an area where I would like us to go and strengthen him but yeah look two names I think uh, Decore um, from Watford and maybe another suggestion or name I'd say is Lil's um, Samara um, a 20 year old was a guy that's worked with uh, our, our new assistant Charles Sacramento um, and obviously we've got a good relationship with Lil now 
So that's another player I would look to sign. And, um, and it, as I said, I think the other one would be the right back, Youssef Attal from, from Nice. I think he'd be a really good signing. There you go. Jamie, we'll keep you busy now. Now go and do a research on football manager. And um, we'll see you for next Christmas. His last word on Spurs, I reckon, with Jamie's list there will be, will be absolutely fine. We've got enough, <laughs> enough players to scout there. And again, Lyle Thomas brought that up in terms of Samari. One to keep an eye on. And he gave us a load on that. So again, check out our Patreon material for that. Jay. Thank you for coming back on, especially over this Christmas period. Are you knackered, Jay, by the amount of games there's been? It's just been continuous, hasn't it? I mean, it's been knackering watching Serge Aurier try to defend. <laughs> but no, I, 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 no look, <laughs> look, look we, we, we love watching Spurs play. And, you know, as, as difficult it has been, um, no, I, I always enjoy watching, you know, multiple games the Christmas period. So, look, as I said, you know, really great chance for us to try and bounce back against Southampton. It's coming in quick succession. So, yeah, really excited for that one. And come on, you Spurs. Yeah, agree. Come on, you Spurs. And also, John, you know, for us, we've been doing the patron shows. We've had a, a couple of weeks break from it, but there's been shows in between. We're going to get back amongst them, John, aren't we? And also, thank you for coming back on. I know it's been a crazy Christmas period. John, it's just better doing these shows when you're winning. We haven't really had a huge amount of wins to talk about over this period. No, we've not. And hopefully at Southampton, we're going to resurrect that situation and finally get a, a decent win and, and hopefully build some confidence moving forward into the new year. Because 2019 hasn't been a great year for the club if we look at the overall record in the league. Um, so hopefully, yeah, we can get that rectified, start the year with a big win at Southampton. And uh, I'm backing us to do that. Come on, these Spurs. Let's hope you enjoyed that show there with John from Lily White Rose and Jamie from the Daily Hotspur. We just want to take this opportunity again to wish you a very healthy and happy new year from behalf of the whole team at The Last Word on Spurs. We honestly can't thank you enough for all of your incredible support over 2019 and before that as well. Thank you ever so much. We enjoy doing the weekly shows. We hope you enjoy them as much as we enjoy creating them. Obviously, we'd like some more Spurs wins to speak about, but we have got a huge amount of shows coming your way January transfer window is on lockdown we've got so many shows to come on that and of course we've got so much to come FA Cup Champions League Premier League so much to look forward to hopefully discussing Spurs getting back into that top four once again guys have a very healthy and happy new year and we're going to see you in 2020 come on you Spurs Sports Social Podcast Network Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.